Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Tonight we're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about intersections of faith because God takes our lives and our stories and he weaves them together with others. He brings us to different junctions along the road and he uses those times to guide us. So if you would turn to Joshua chapter 2, Joshua chapter 2, and we'll just read one verse to get started here. Joshua chapter 2 and verse number 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. So Joshua chapter 2 it happens right after God commissions Joshua, and Joshua takes the reins over, uh, over Israel from Moses. In the next few chapters are going to tell us about them crossing over the Jordan River, and in chapter 6, they will go and conquer Jericho in that famous battle. Now, Joshua t- chapter 2 is one of those passages of Scripture that could have easily been left out. God could have skipped over this little uh, parentheses of what happened when the spies went to spy out Jericho, but he includes it here for a reason. This is one of those parts of scripture that helps us to know that the Bible is real. Because if you were going to make up a bunch of stories and market it as a holy book, you probably wouldn't include a story about a couple of guys going and staying at a harlot's house. You probably would leave that out. But God tells us this story. As we see the faith of these characters here that we're introduced to in verse 1, these two spies and a lady named Rahab, we're going to see the journey of faith that they were on. They were from totally different backgrounds, totally different kinds of people, and yet God was walking with them in this faith journey. As, As we study this passage tonight, I hope we'll see ourselves in them and see the journey of faith that we're walking on. Let's pray. Father, we've had a good fellowship tonight. We've had a good meal. We spent time worshiping you in song. And now, Lord, we come to your word. I pray that you would help us to understand something about faith to understand something more. Lord, remind us tonight about who you are and how you walk with us in our faith journeys tonight. Lord, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, uh, if you're following along in the notes, number one, the intersection of faith and challenges. The intersection of faith and challenges. Let's look back at verse number one. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. 
So these two guys, their faith journey started very early on in this mission of going to conquer Canaan. They were really the first ones to go and do anything. Uh, if you would look back to the verse right before that, the end of chapter 1, verse 18. This is the, the people of Israel after Joshua says, yes, we're going to go and we're going to take this land. The people of Israel in verse 18, they say, Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. So they look at Joshua and says, that's right, Joshua, anybody here who doesn't do what you say, we're going to kill him. And then the next verse, Joshua looks at a couple poor guys over there. All right, you two, you're going to go spy out the land. Okay, I guess we're doing this. I don't think they really had much of a choice. They were given this challenge right away. So what did they do? The rest of verse number one, and they went and came into an harlot's house. Now, I wonder what that conversation was like of deciding this. Okay, so I guess we have no choice. We're going to go and spy out the land. Where, where should we go? Should we, let's go to the blacksmiths. No, that won't work. The blacksmith's probably going to be in the center of town. Oh, well, let's, let's see. Let's go and find the tanner in town. Maybe he'll help us out. No, no, I don't think that'll work. And then one of these spies, I can just see him going, okay, now hear me out. I've got this idea. And they end up, and the reality is, this was probably a logical choice. They didn't go there for any bad reasons. If you were wanting to hide, a harlot's house was probably a good place. They were probably looking for some place where if they needed to pay someone off to, to stay quiet about the fact that they were there, they could probably do that there. So this was a logical choice. They, it, it was a creative choice. It was thinking outside the box, if you will. But that's what they did. Now, how, how did this work out for them? Well, verse 2 says, And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. Now, I've never been to spy school, but I would imagine that lesson number one is don't get caught. Don't let people know who you are. Don't, don't get made, all right? If you are a spy, and I don't know if you guys saw that movie, it came out like 15 years ago, Johnny English, is, Mr. Bean is a spy, and he's like the worst spy in the world. That, that's almost how I picture these guys. They, they walk into town, and they were made instantly. They instantly knew that these guys were spies. Verse 3, and the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they become to search out all the country. So they get picked for this job. They say, okay, I guess we'll do this. They step up to the challenge. They go and do what God wants them to do. They think creatively. They, they make a logical choice of how to go about this, and they mess it up, and they fail instantly, and they're faced with this challenge their hearts must have sunk when they're sitting there in this woman's house and all of a sudden they hear the knock at the door. They hear the soldiers outside the house calling to them, saying, or calling to Rahab saying, yep, the king knows you've got these guys in your house. Throw them out. Their, their hearts had to sink. And, and immediately 
their faith was being tested. They were facing a huge challenge. For sure, they thought they were dead. We're going to see in the next few verses that everything would be okay. But we see through this, this section of Scripture, they did not back down from the challenge. They figured it out. They came up with a plan. It didn't all go according to plan. It didn't go perfectly, but they were pushing forward. They were willing to just trust God. And Christian, let me encourage you, don't spend your Christian life running from challenges, avoiding challenges. So many times when it comes time for prayer requests, all of our prayer requests are, Lord, will you take this challenge away from me? Will you take this problem away from me? Will you take these problems away from my friends? And we spend our Christian lives just trying to avoid challenges. But what we see in in both of these sets of of people in this story, they walked forward. They went into challenges. As a church, God has put Liberty Baptist Church right here in Newport Beach. And that location comes with unique challenges. Bethel Baptist Church in Santa Ana. We have unique challenges where we are. Every church has unique challenges. I want to encourage you. Think creatively, think think strategically, think outside the box when you need to, but just be convinced God has a work for us to do and we're going to move forward and we're going to get the job done. Are we going to do it right every time? Not not every idea is going to be a winner. There are going to be times we're going to mess up, but you just keep walking forward in faith. Their idea failed. And yet God was still able to help them to succeed. And that brings us to point number two. Number two, the intersection of faith and sovereignty. The intersection of faith and sovereignty. God was able to overcome their failure. Look at verse four, Joshua 2 and verse 4. And the woman took the two men and hid them. And said thus, there came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out, whither the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house, and hid them with the stalks of flax which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. So these soldiers come. They tell Rahab that they know these men have come. These these two spies had to be terrified, thinking that they were about to die. And she, all of a sudden, just comes up with this masterful tale and convinces these soldiers to go run off into the night looking for these two guys. Now, I have to tell you this story from my college days. I was probably about 20, 21 years old, and my girlfriend asked me, of all the women in the Bible, who do I remind you of the most? The first one that comes to your mind. You know what I said? I know what you're thinking. You're saying, no, Pastor Adam, you did not. You did not say, yes, yes, I did. I said, said, Rahab. 
She's like, what? So I grabbed my shovel and I started digging. Well, because, you know, she was, she was just ingenious and she just came up with this plan so quickly. You know, she's so resourceful. And, you know, I kept trying to come up with, with words. And those of you who really know my wife, you understand. You, you, you get what I, was, what I was saying. She's a great storyteller. She is. Um, but we look at this and the fact that God saved these two guys' bacon through Rahab by bringing them to her house. Of all the harlots that were in the city of Jericho, what are the chances that they would wind up at her house? This was no coincidence. This was the sovereignty of God. It wasn't just the sovereignty of God that brought this woman into their lives to save them, but God had also brought them into her life for a very particular reason. Let's look here at verse 8. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. You see, they had no idea when they decided to find a harlot's house to try to hide in, they had no idea that the harlot that they would go and visit was actually seeking God. God had been working in her heart and obviously God had been doing something in the hearts of all the people of Jericho. But she says, In verse 11 there, she says, The Lord your God, he is God in heaven above. She knew that the lifestyle she was living was not satisfying her. She knew that the gods that they were serving there in Jericho were not true gods. She was seeking the truth. She was seeking the Lord. Is this a coincidence that these two Israelites the representatives of God. Is it a coincidence that they showed up at her house? No. That was the sovereignty of God. When you choose to take steps of faith, when you choose to rise to the challenges that are placed in front of you, it's not going to be long before you see the sovereign hand of God moving and working in your life. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, no doubt you could tell stories about how God has moved, how God has worked in your life. Uh, Pastor Thompson told a little bit about how I ended up at Bethel. I was one of those guys that always said I would never pastor. Just was never interested in it. In, In Bible college, my major was pastoral assistant. That was actually a thing. And that was what my major was. I was satisfied. And for the last 20 years, I've enjoyed just being a second man. 
about three years ago, uh, the pastor that I had worked for for uh, 17, 18 years, as soon as I got out of college, I had worked for him, he decided to retire. And we had another guy on staff and he wanted to pastor. And I was like, great, this is gonna work out perfectly. And so I liked him. I was like, he can take over as pastor. I'll continue working for him, continue doing my thing, doing all the behind the scenes stuff. This will be great. Well, that didn't work out, plans fell through. And reluctantly, I became the interim pastor of our church. I did not wanna do that but I ended up in that position. I had made it clear to the church, I am not interested in being a senior pastor. So we're gonna have to find someone else. And we did found a, a good a godly man who's doing a great job there at uh, Calvary. But after a few months, as time went on, God just started working on my heart little by little about the idea of pastoring. And I started to talk to some friends and some uh, pastors and some mentors and just started sharing my heart. And over the course of about a year, three different pastors who know me very well, independently of each other, said, you know, I heard about a church in Santa Ana that's looking for a pastor. And I think you might be a good fit for it because they've got a school and you used to be a principal. So, so I think it might be a good fit for you. And after the third pastor, I said, okay, God, I, I hear you. Uh, I reached out to Brother Thomas and, and the rest, as they say, is history. Now, one of the things that God did during that time, one of the many things that God used to confirm this calling and uh, confirm that God wanted us to, to pastor was a church service right here at Liberty Baptist Church. And my wife and I came in and we sat right about where pastor is sitting tonight. It was the Sunday after Christmas, 2019. So about a year and a half ago, we sat right there, came in. Uh, your pastor was just preaching through the book of Acts. Didn't know, I think, until that morning that we were going to be here. I hadn't talked to him at all about what God was doing in our lives and in our hearts. And he starts preaching out of Acts chapter 8 about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. So how many of you would have been here for that service, the Sunday after Christmas, 2019? Okay, so a good, good portion of you would have been here. Well, my wife and I were here. And he starts preaching about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And the title of his message is, What Are You Waiting For? And this is, you know, several months into this process where I'm just reluctant and saying, okay, God, are you sure? Is this what you're doing? I, I wasn't convinced at that time by any means that God wanted me to pastor. It was just something I was thinking about. And he preaches this message. What are you waiting for? And he's talking about, as church members, of course, you know, whether it's baptism or, or serving in ministry, what's your next step? If you know that God has this opportunity in front of you, what are you waiting for? Just go for it. And he, he's preaching this. And I look over at my wife and tears just streaming down her face. And he, he noticed it from from the platform and said, hey, let's, let's grab coffee this week. And so we got together and he, he walked through uh, that with us. And we've, that's kind of when we reconnected after, after Bible college and, and he's been such a blessing. But folks, was that a mistake? 
Was it a coincidence that the Sunday we just happened to show up, he's preaching a message that was exactly what we needed to hear? No. It's the sovereignty of God. And when you take a little baby step, when you just say, God, okay, I don't understand this, I'm scared, you think about these two spies that were given this job. I mean, they're, they're just getting started with this conquest and say, okay, you guys are going to go do this. They take a baby step, they try to figure something out, and they mess up. And yet God has all the pieces in place to make that still work. That's the sovereignty of God. You don't have to have it all figured out. I don't know what the challenge is that God has placed in front of you. I don't know what ministry God is working on your heart about jumping into. I don't know what position he wants you to serve in. Just take that step. Just step up to that challenge. And when you do, God's going to show you that he's got all this stuff worked out. He's got all these people in place ready to help you, ready to encourage you, ready to make up for the things that you're going to mess up. God has all those things in place. That's the sovereignty of God, the intersection of faith and sovereignty. Number three, the intersection of faith and works. The intersection of faith and works. These folks just didn't just talk about it. They did it. Verse uh, 12 and 13. Now, therefore, I pray you, swear unto me, this is Rahab speaking, uh, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token and that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. What was the first thing she thought of after taking this step of faith? She said, I've got to share. I've got to share my faith with others. She put her faith to work in spreading her faith to others. Verse 14 and 15. Uh, and the man answered her, Our life for yours, if ye utter not this our business, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. So she went a step further and put herself at even greater risk. What would have happened to her if they had seen her helping them escape? I mean, she lived on the town wall. The, this was out in the open where people could see. She took this huge risk. She was willing to do more than just talk. The spies then had to turn around and exercise their faith and trust her. Verse 16, and she said unto them, get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned. And afterward, may ye go your way. So they had to actually trust that this woman was put here by God to help them. They had to exercise their faith. Uh, if you are going to serve the Lord, you're going to have to realize you're not going to do it alone. You need other people. God has given you other people in this church to serve alongside of, of you, and you're going to have to trust some people. Verse 17, she has to go all in and be identified with the God of Israel. Verse 17, and the men said unto her, we will be blameless of this thine oath, 
which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whatsoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head if any hand be upon him. So she had to bind this red cord and put it in the window. And it's hard to miss the, the similarity between that and when they were in Egypt and God told them to put the blood on the doorpost as an identifier that they were putting their faith and trust in the God of Israel. Rahab started the story with just a little bit of faith. But by the end of chapter two, I honestly believe she is an Old Testament saint. She is someone who has chosen to follow God. She has chosen to put her life in God's hand, to identify with the God of Israel. Rahab's faith here is so exemplary that James uses it as an illustration. If you would turn in your Bibles to James chapter two, keep your place here in Joshua. But turn to James chapter two and verse 25. James two twenty-five. likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. I mean, we hear that verse all the time, but we forget that James is talking about Rahab. He's talking about the faith that this woman showed by helping these men to escape. There's an intersection of faith and works. Without works, our faith, the Bible says, is dead. Now, I believe in being motivated by grace and not by guilt not being motivated by duty to do things. But at the same time, I'd be lying to you if I said God doesn't expect you to do anything. God doesn't expect you to give of yourself and to work and to do things out of love for him. True worship for God cannot be fully expressed without works. That is the testimony of scripture. That is what we see in the life of Rahab, in the life of these two spies. Christian, if you're gonna live a life of faith, you're gonna to have to do things. Not, not because you have to, not because you feel guilty, not because you feel obligated to, but because when you have true faith, when you step into challenges, when you watch the sovereignty of God work in your life, the natural overflow of that life of faith is going to be works. And that's what we see here uh, in this passage. And then last, number four, the intersection of faith and testimony. The intersection of faith and testimony. Verse 22. And they went and came unto the mountain and abode there three days until the pursuers were returned and the pursuers sought them throughout all the way but found them not. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all things that befell them. 
And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. They came back, and Joshua said, Well, how did it go? They said, Let me tell you. And they started to tell this incredible story about how they were so bad at spying and got caught instantly and that they wandered into this harlot's house and Joshua, you're not going to believe this, she was seeking the Lord. And then Joshua, not only is she seeking the Lord and not only did she put her faith in the Lord and she's going to help us, but she said the entire city, this first city that we're going to go and conquer, they're ready to fall. They're all afraid. They've heard of the amazing things, Joshua, that that God has done for us. They had an amazing story to tell. And Liberty Baptist Church, I don't know what challenges God has in front of you. As individuals in your personal life, I don't know what challenges God is bringing into your path, but I know this. He wants to walk with you through those things. He wants to hold your hand and increase your faith. He wants to show you that you're going to mess up, that you're going to make some mistakes. But his sovereignty can take care of that. He wants to ask you to do some things, some things that might be hard. They might be scary. And all we have to do is take those steps of faith. And if you'll do that, oh, the stories that you'll be able to tell about what God can do. Maybe you're here tonight, and maybe you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. Maybe you just randomly came to a church on a Tuesday night, but you can know him as your Savior tonight. You can trust him. And I can't think of a better story to tell than that. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.